so lack of clarity becomes one challenge when it comes to even when we have funds as to how these funds are going to be utilized um and then definitely like you know reduction of the amount over the years this could also possibly come from the fact that the previous years the funds have not been utilized but that that has been built upon the fact that the lack of clarity in terms of how the funds should be utilized so it's like a vicious cycle very known organizations who are working or have been working in the field of policy they engage with government in different different ways but when it comes to say even giving something as simple as giving budget recommendation based on what the trend has been it is complicated because budget document is not a very uh, simple document to understand hello to all our listeners we hope that you all are doing well we welcome you all to another episode of the bigger picture ecospires very own podcast series where we bring to you everything from current business and economic trends interesting macroeconomic theories to guidance in the field of economics we deone personalities so get ready for an insightful session as i kushagra and i ananya speak with our guests for today miss samriddhi on the topic transparency and accountability on government budgeting in india today we have with us miss samriddhi economist and gis specialist at civic data labs and co-founder and director at pubtin having graduated in economics from lady shriram college she pursued her masters degree in social work in criminology and justice from tata institute of social sciences ma'am went on to pursue a joint european masters program in law and economics she has over 3 years of experience working as researcher and consultant in the domains of public policy and economics with various esteemed organizations we are honored to have you here thank you so much shagran vanya um, i'm really happy to be here as well thanks 53rd among 117 countries according to ibp in budget transparency so ma'am moving to the first question india ranks 53rd among 117 countries according to ibp in budget transparency what do you think is the reason behind this so there are there are few reasons uh, because of which uh, the score that india has in terms of budget transparency and which has actually reduced over the years one of it being the the lack of um, publishing the pre budget statement which has never been the case with india india has not been publishing the pre budget statement in in any of these surveys however it was publishing the mid year review before 2018 but after that uh, in the two consecutive years of survey it has stopped publishing that and which has actually pushed down uh, the score further however india has been performing really well in terms of publishing timely and relevant information in audit and in your reports but only these two factors has uh, pushed down the score and there are other factors where india has not scored as high as many other country which i think we can talk and discuss about in further questions sure ma'am based on the survey taken in 2019 we can see that india scored 49 points which is above the overall average but is still far below the top 3 countries the first one being new zealand 
what policies or procedures do you think india can adopt from such countries to boost transparency and accountability so as we discussed in the previous question the two uh, the two key factors out of the eight which is uh, the pre budget statement and the mid year review um i'm not very confident about india coming back or starting to publish the pre budget statement but one thing that india can definitely do is to start publishing the mid year review that it was doing say two years or four years from now and that that was keeping the score much better than what it is now but two of the other important things where i think india has a lot of scope to improve is in terms of the citizen budget and enacted budget so india scored like 25 out of 100 in citizen budget and 28 out of 100 in enacted budget to elaborate a little more on what a citizen budget is it's basically considering that the budget language is complicated for a non technical person to understand a citizen budget is a less technical and simplified version of government's executive budget proposal which makes it easier for communication of the facts to the public so that in turn increases transparency and accountability amongst the public and not just some niche audience that have experience in working with the budget so these are a few factors that india can definitely learn from these countries and work upon it all right ma'am ma'am that was a really insightful one clarity about the use of public funds is necessary so that public representatives and officials can be accountable for effectiveness and efficiency so ma'am what are your views on this so definitely trans- transparency does lead to accountability but if we look at the larger picture transparency is alone not sufficient to improve governance um it's important to engage public and actually it's beneficial in terms of to increase budget transparency uh, the role of public cannot be overstated so on one hand i can we can we can talk about the fact that since uh, we have information and uh, on the funds being utilized the funds being spent we can actually kind of uh, understand or hold the public representatives and officials accountable but we need to also understand in many cases for example or political representatives at the parliamentary constituency level or the assembly constituency level the challenges there is most of the data that is being released is at the level of administrative boundary by administrative boundary what i mean is say district level state level depending on different policies different schemes for some you might not find information beyond the district level but depending on different schemes you will find either on block on urban level or or say ward level or village level or likewise like uh, however a political representatives the area of their work is that of either a parliamentary constituency that they belong to or a assembly constituency that they belong to and not being able to actually aggregate the data and understand the progress over the years or compare their progress with other um, constituency makes a challenge not just to the public but also for the representatives themselves and so is the case with different office officials where uh, the the budgets diff- between different departments are not transparent so 
on one hand we understand that we as uh, public we can hold them accountable for in terms of why the funds have not been utilized but there are also many challenges in terms of internal challenges that comes with uh, how data is being released how budget is being released so i mean it's, it's a topic of a bigger discussion than like directly pointing on the fact that uh, clarity about the use of public funds can actually help us you know help them hold them accountable okay ma'am so this brings us to our next question indian government announces the budget and allocation extensively on the national level but what's the condition of transparency at sub national levels it differs i think one of the most important aspect of transparency for me would be i mean definitely uh, you know making it easier for layman or for a non tech technical person who has not been working in the space of budget to understand budget so to have a simplified version of the budget in addition to that even if the government is not doing it the minimum that a government or a state uh, a state could do is possibly produce the uh, data in a machine readable format however most of the states don't have it in a machine readable format in some cases they have a pdf which are, which are converted from excel to pdf so it's still easier for us to extract information but still like not as easy as working with excel or csv but there are some states which actually scan the picture and then upload it as a pdf so it's it's very very complicated to actually even work further or do further analysis of these uh, uh, budget data another thing is also i feel that uh, i mean building on the same states like odisha sikkim assam have been doing better in terms of publishing machine readable format but on the other hand bihar is actually not doing really great in terms of uh, producing or putting the data in the right format for stakeholders to do any form of analysis like i also mentioned that many states are not releasing key to the budget document which is very important for a non technical person or even the person who is working in the budget field to understand the intricacies and details of the budget and even like as simple as navigating through the budget it's it's important to release the the key to the budget document and many states are not doing it that it, it's also difficult in many states to find district level disaggregated information some states do it some states don't maharashtra for example is doing a little better in terms of um, providing data at the district level in terms of disaggregation of the budget but many states like most states aren't so these parameters actually vary across states but in in my opinion uh, two of the most important or i would say uh one of the most important factor is like you know having data in a machine readable format for even other stakeholders policy makers uh, think tanks csos to work on this data understand this data and the other challenge comes where um, states actually don't have uh data for the previous years on their website so it's just difficult to even like you know if you want to compare data over 5 years or 10 years how do you do that so i mean that you have a data for two years but you you don't know how the trend has been and in order to increase transparency and even act on the trend you need to have at least 5 to 6 years of data and lack of that 
becomes a challenge. So, um, yeah, that's what I think is the state of um, our condition of transparency at the sub-national level or the state level. All right, ma'am. That was very informative. Since we are talking about budget allocations here, do you think the allocations toward climate-related issues in, in India is not sufficient, is sufficient? See, my, I might not be the right person to be answering this question because I don't have extensive experience per se in dealing with uh, climate-specific budgets because what I am currently doing is more on making the budget regardless of which um, area it is covering to be accessible to the stakeholders. So like still from whatever understanding I have, I have, I have observed and I've read uh, the, the budget allocation towards climate adaptation and mitigation has actually um, decreased over the year. And even if there has been allotment of budget for air pollution mitigation, it has not been very clear in terms of how these funds are going to be utilized. So lack of clarity becomes one challenge when it comes to even when we have funds as to how these funds are going to be utilized. Um, and then definitely like, you know, reduction of the amount over the years. This could also possibly come from the fact that the previous years, the funds have not been utilized, but that, that has been built upon the fact that the lack of clarity in terms of how the fund should be utilized. So it's like a vicious cycle where uh, lack of fund utilization will lead to reduction in the um, allotment, maybe possibly next year. But uh, since it's there's no much clarity, the, the funds are going to be underutilized. And definitely the experts, they are not very happy um, with the reduction in the amount that is going for, say, towards climate change and mitigation. So that's my understanding of it. Again, I'm not the expert in this particular subtopic. Okay, ma'am. So coming to one of the very important questions, given the technicalities associated with the budgets, even the highly educated people could be budget illiterates. So do you think that one of the major obstructions of public involvement in the budget process is the inability of majority of people to understand the budget terminology and its related debates? Definitely, definitely, no doubts about it. Very known organizations who are working or have been working in the field of policy, they engage with government in different, different ways. But when it comes to, say, even giving something as simple as giving budget recommendation based on what the trend has been, it is complicated because budget document is not a very uh, simple document to understand. From what, what I understand, there have been stakeholders who have, have had the chance to talk to and they said that before even reaching the point where we could make a recommendation, it took us weeks and like few weeks and maybe a month or two to even kind of, you know, demystify how the budget documents are structured. So uh, again, coming back to the point that how important it is to have citizen budget in terms of to simplify the budget for larger people to be able to understand. And, and since um, these are people that I'm talking about are the experts in their own respective field, not maybe in budget, but even budget becomes a little complicated uh, issue or rather not issue, I would say, but like a complicated uh, uh, field to uh, explore um, or rather it, it's time taking. 
so i mean this is also some one of the area where i am currently working is making budget more accessible interpretable so that people could actually use the already available information to be able to give recommendations for the following or the coming cycle so that's one thing that we are actually doing as a part of our work at cdl civic data lab ma'am that was very well explained so moving to next question could you tell our listeners what an outcome budget is and how it enables greater scrutiny of the budget earmarked for particular goals yeah so um before going to the term outcome we need to also understand that uh, outcome is different from say outcome as an impact is different from say outlays outlays the budget documents present the amount being um, spent on certain schemes certain subheads major heads different departments spending the amount of it but however i think over the years it has been realized that the public is interested more in outcome than the outlays that is not just the amount going to a certain department or certain scheme but also in terms of how this money is creating and what impact are the is this money creating so to simplify it um it is a budgeting tool that links expenditure to specific goals by describing the outcome that will be accomplished by making a given expenditure so it in theory it offers information on the progress accomplished in various bu- budget headings in terms of both financial and physical like i mentioned for example i would say that construction of a toilet in school is possibly like a but a outcome would be how it has reduced the dropouts of like of of say maybe women in secondary school so here the uh, uh, the outcome budget would focus on how the expenditure on toilets in school has reduced uh, as an outcome the school dropouts for adolescent girls okay so the answer was very well versed uh, moving on to the next question which sectors or areas do you think have witnessed the maximum gaps between budgetary allocation and its implementation in india i think one sector like i mean we keep talking about like health and education as a sector keeps uh, coming very frequently in all our conversation as to how the spending on in, on the sector of health and education should increase so if we talk about say education sector uh, as old as like say 1964 under kothari commission it was recommended that 6% of allocation should of of the gdp should go towards um, education however we still haven't been able to meet that percentage and uh, the gdp the percentage of education expenditure or budget allotment has been only 2% and has been stagnated uh, between 2014 to 2019 only in in the recent or in the last two years this the percentage has gone up to 3 to 3.5% however because of pandemic what has happened is even before pandemic even if this 3.5% of gdp was utilized say up to 80% uh, on an average it was observed that by november around 61% of the uh, the budget was utilized before pandemic that was in 2019 however due to pandemic this number has gone even down because of schools being closed uh, not having enough uh, scope or 
to use the allocation uh so i think the gap has even increased due to uh, covid but even if we just um, go back and talk about the percentage of fund that should be um, allocated to education sector should have been increased uh, which we are still struggling to since 1964 so that's one sector and then like one other um, factor is like health on in general definitely is uh, seeing lack of fund utilization or say even allotment in terms of percentage of gdp but within health this there is a shortage of funds allocated to mental health in india so if we try to understand a little bit more in the financial year 2019 the budget allocated to the national mental health program was brought down to rupees 40 crores from 50 crores uh in the previous year and the funds actually were uh spent in the each year was only 5 uh, crore so it's it's like really really less uh budget 2020 has not increased allocation so it remained at 40 crores even though the total healthcare budget saw a 7% increase so there was an increase in the health budget from the previous year but the mental health uh, budget in india didn't increase and the average percentage of the total healthcare budget allocated to mental health uh in other developed country is 5% whereas in india is only 0.05% so we could see how it is so yeah these are the two sectors i feel um witnesses the maximum gap between budgetary allocation and its implementation in india and there are like many many other sectors i believe i mean if you go deeper into it there are many challenges into uh, even the sub sectors within education and health like in health i talked about mental health so yeah i think these two other sectors i think have one of the maximum gaps between budgetary allocation and implementation all right ma'am i am sure this will definitely help our young audience moving to the last question since most of our listeners are young college students could you tell us briefly about the work that you do as an economist and gis specialist and any advice that you have for students looking to pursue a career in public policy thank you kushagra um so to be, to to before telling you as to what i do i'll give you a little background of what cdl does so we are a research lab working at the intersection of data tech design and social sciences with the motive to strengthen the course of civic engagement uh we actually aim to grow data and tech literacy of government nonprofit think tanks media houses universities and so on for them to uh take data driven decision uh at scale my role as an economist and gis specialist here is varied across different sectors but the sector that i am mostly and closely working with uh is uh the public finance sector cdl and the law and justice sector so i am part of the public finance sector where we are doing open budgets india phase 2 so open budgets india if i'm if i'm not sure if you're already aware of the platform but it's it's a platform which you can go to look at data related to budgets for union and state it has data for nearly say 10 years 
in, in with, with regards to the union and state government. And it is actually helping, how do I say, in terms of making budget easier for people or citizens to understand in terms of visualization, in terms of analysis. And we have nearly 16,000 data sets available on the platform. But that was a part uh, of one, phase one. In the second phase, we are actually trying to do the estimation, as I mentioned, of different schemes at the level of um, parliamentary constituency and assembly constituency. So my role as a GIS specialist there is to be able to do spatial analysis as if I would like to explain you better from what we understand that the district boundary might not exactly overlap with the parliamentary constituency boundary. Uh, so a parliamentary constituency can possibly have like one district and then half of the other district or two third of the other district. Uh, and the data that we have available at the schemes level is either at the district level, block level, gram panchayat level, all, all at the village level. So I am actually using GIS and spatial data techniques to develop the geographic relationship between these two boundaries, which is say either political, all these, these two political boundaries, which is the assembly constituency and the parliamentary constituencies with the respective uh, administrative boundaries, depending on different schemes, be it gram panchayat village as to what data is available for different schemes and then analyzing and developing methodology to uh, estimate information at the level of political uh, constituency, which is parliamentary and assembly constituency. So that's my work as a part of um, the public finance team. Um, I am also, as a GIS specialist, helping uh, other team, which is working on um, procurement data in Assam, but my work there is very limited. I was working shortly with them in terms of trying to figure out ways to geocode tender documents from extracting information of location and to geocoding this tender to be able to extract insights, locational insights of the tender. And as a part of law and justice sector, we have this initiative where it's called Budget for Justice. We are engaging with stakeholders and developing a platform, which is at the intersection of law and justice and uh, budget. So economics and uh, public finance and um, economics and law and justice. Uh, so I am currently heading that project at CDL. So yeah, so since we are like a young organization, a lot of our roles are fluid apart from, of course, uh, what our designation is, we do things which are beyond or we have experience in. So yeah, that's what I do at CDL. And yeah, we, are, we, we keep looking for young enthusiastic students to come join us, work with us. So yeah. Thank you, ma'am, for such an insightful session. All right, everyone. This brings us to the end of this podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Be sure to check out our Instagram and LinkedIn pages for exciting economics-oriented content. And we will be back very soon with another episode of an enriching economic perspective from yet another brilliant mind. Until then, stay safe, stay enlightened. Thank you.